Hello, everybody, and welcome to a sporting discussion talking sports of all sorts. My name is AJ Mithen, joined by the wonderful Andrew Donaldson. Andrew, welcome to another week. Hello, AJ. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Now, we've promised big things this week with a special guest, Aaron Delahunty, but she's having some technical detail uh, issues. So hopefully she can get in. Hopefully she can join us before she falls asleep because she's actually producing breakfast radio of the mornings these days. So yes. um, hopefully she can come along. And if she if she can, she can. If she can't, she can't. Cross fingers all over, all around because we love talking to Erin on our show. She's been on quite a bit and she's um, she's great, great value. She is and she's just had some well, – we, we spoke last time to her about her good news about – writing a book but this time it's uh, it's good news in being accepted into a program to promote and support her broadcasting career so uh really hope that yeah either yeah if it's if it's tonight if it's next week uh, to be able to have a chat to her about that because it's really exciting for for her and and for us as well it's good it's to like- see people do well it's looking like it might have to be next week because i'm just getting a message from her saying that um it's the, the browser is blocking her mic and camera, so we'll have to work. We'll have to work something out. But uh, if she can make it, she can. But it's looking like we'll have to have Erin next week, unfortunately, which is really disappointing. But um, yes, more change, okay. change, more change the game discussion next week or later today if we can work out how to get her on board um, through this new fandangled live system we got going here. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, and I'm hoping that. The, the live system can't quite see the the pink in my cheeks because I, <laughs> I spent I spent more than 20 minutes outside in the sun today which therefore means I oh will be sunburnt yes mm. yes I went down to Sandown Racecourse to watch the horses run around and unfortunately being outside for five minutes and then back inside and then outside for five minutes it's uh done a number on me as my pasty white skin always happens but that's okay yeah. that's all right i have a question <laughs> for you aj it's a question sure. without notice and i know that we do those they're the best kind the end of the show but i want to start with one mm-hmm. if you right now were to throw on a pair of runners and sprint 100 meters how yep. fast how fast do you think that you would be able to do that Keep in mind that you know, the, the world record for, for men is under 10 seconds. I'm not expecting you to, to break 10 seconds, but what are you thinking? What do you think? Right now? Yeah. I don't know, yeah, 15, yeah. 15 or 20. 15 or 20? Okay. All right. What about if you were 105 years old? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Maybe a minute. So, Julia... Is 100 metres in a minute? Yeah. Yep, Julia Hurricane Hawkins. So, she took up sprinting at the ripe old age of 100. In 2017, she set the 100-metre world record for women over the age of 100 with a time of 39.62 seconds. 39 for 100? Yep. Actually, that that probably would beat me. Well, it beat her as well because someone someone 
beat her record in September this year, Diane Friedman. So do you know what Hurricane Hawkins did? Bloody Friedman. Did the 200. Please tell me she did the 200 instead. No, she said, buggy up. I'm actually 105 years old, so (laughs) I'm going to compete in the 105 years and over category. And she set the world record one minute, 2.95 seconds. Oh, my Lord. Yep, she she said, I love to run. I love being an inspiration to others. I want to keep running as long as I can. My message to others is that you have to stay active if you want to be healthy and happy as you age. Now, someone who is 105 years old, I'm going to take their advice when they talk about uh, being healthy and happy as you age. Now, I love going being 105 just to be petty. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) And so she really wanted to break a minute. She was a bit disappointed that she didn't. One of the the journos afterwards said, oh, but you did it one minute and two seconds. So you did 102. You broke your age of 105. And she said, does that make you feel feel better? No. (laughs) It was just... No. She said, yeah, all she wanted to do was to break a minute. So hopefully... Hopefully, Julia Hurricane Hawkins is able to to break that record. Now, AJ, the reason that I oh, asked that was about, that was some world class stalling, Andrew. World world class stalling. And do you know why oh, it's hey, been it's, so great? It's it's what I do. Why why is that, AJ? I didn't think I was stalling. I was just having a lovely conversation. It was a lovely conversation, <laughs> and I would mop the floor with that hundred and five year old over a hundred, just between you and I and the, the rest of the universe. But, we'll get we'll get back to that after your segue. Yeah, this, this segue is into a beautifully smooth move. Hello, Erin Delahunty. We've worked out our, our communication issues. You're, you're on board. How are you? How are you going? Hi, I'm well, thank you, guys. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, coming through now loud and clear. All good. Beautiful. I'm sorry about the confusion. I've been awake since 4am. I'm doing some work for the ABC at the moment, so that is my full excuse and I'm sticking with it, Okay. <laughs> It is in, an entirely fair enough excuse as well. Yeah. Hey, what? Uh, what? What? What hour does? What hour does a breakfast radio producer rise? Well, look, I'm a little different because I'm an hour away. Okay, so but the shift that I'm working on at the moment, and this is pretty routine for regional radio, you're starting at five thirty. And then we have an hour before our show to prep and then live on air through until 10. And then you try and do it all again. And by about 1.30, 2 o'clock, you're pretty tired. And I'm now, what, seven hours past since I finished work. So, (laughs) yeah, it's... uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of way of working. It is it is kind of cool to be preparing the show really early in the morning and getting and getting across issues really quickly, particularly when you're um, trying to find fresh news stories. But I don't know if you guys have ever had a call from a radio producer at that time of day, and that's that's the tough part of it. So the advent of text messages have helped a lot with that because I, I can live with myself for a text message if it wakes you up, but actually picking up the phone and calling someone and then asking them, you know, would they be happy to come on air in 20 minutes or half an hour? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty tough. So I tend to do a segment in the morning, uh, the program I'm on, on at the moment, called While You Were Sleeping, so talking about maybe a big issue from, from the night. And I think that segment is pretty much in place because you know you've got someone locked in who's going to be there because they're sitting in the producer booth. 
So <laughs> I love it, and also being uh, the sort of the, the regional um, focus, also trying to find those local stories rather than just a, a statewide story. Trying to find local stories, how how do you find that? Some of them, I imagine, are quite quite easy. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, a lot of the time you have a pretty good sense of what might be happening the next couple of days. So you might word someone up. I mean, at the moment, you know, given what's happening with the pandemic, et cetera, in Victoria, we are sort of expecting to hear from Dan Andrews about this sort of brave new world, about the easing of restrictions and that sort of thing. So you have a few things kind of on the burner, maybe someone from a business council or particular individual or organisation that's done it really tough. But then it depends what happens. Um, over, you know, over overnight in particular, or even late this afternoon, we would potentially be talking about those issues first thing tomorrow as well. So, yeah, it's very, very difficult and all producers should be paid twice as much as what they're paid. Especially those producers who are also writing a book yes. and <laughs> have been accepted into a uh, the Change Our Game Women in Sports Broadcasting Program. How about that? Yes. yes. Congratulations. Thank really you. It's, now, yeah, it's really exciting, really exciting. I saw this program um, last year at RAN for the first time, um, Emma and Lucy Race, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with, the sort of brains behind the Outer Sanctum podcast. They ran, I believe it was a pilot last year, so about trying to get those female voices, people that are really keen to get into, particularly into commentary, right, like that really sort of more specific niche. Um, and I, I sort of had a bit of a look at it last year and thought, wow, that looks like an amazing opportunity particularly from I mean it's one of those words okay but networking in this industry like it really matters and and meeting people and you know meeting the movers and shakers and that sort of thing and I watched from a distance last year and it had some great outcomes and a lot of names were really able to sort of put themselves forward and I've saw some people do some great work as well so I'm actually um really you know, really pleasantly surprised. I guess that I got in because they, the caliber of people that applied this year was really was really high and was sort of across a really wide spectrum as well. Like it's not just uh, you know journo's. Like obviously I've got a journalism background, but commentary is a whole 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 other skill. I don't know, you know, how many times you guys have have done it, but when the headphones on and there's silence, it's not as easy as when you're sitting on the couch. It's a really um, really tough gig. The couple of times I've done it, just streaming netball games you know I've just absolutely adored doing it but it's it's very very hard so I'm really excited to be part of it because there's you know there's an AFLW player um Melissa Barberi who played um for the Matildas is there as well wanting to kind of get her next step in her career as well so yeah really really thrilled to be part of it you know imposter syndrome is back with a vengeance as tends to happen with me um but yeah thank you um yeah I'm really really thrilled we won't be hearing well, you, that at all. You, so tell us, tell us. So what's next? What's the steps? What's what's involved? Well, so from here next week we have a we sort of have a full day workshop in Melbourne, and it's just magnificent because it's the brand new state and hockey and netball centre. So it was meant to be because there's a netball link. There's always a netball <laughs> link. Um, there's a Yeah, so it's a full-day workshop where all of the participants are going to come together, and then there's a number of different speeches and workshops and, um, 
you know, activities involved on that day. And from my understanding, that first day is really about sort of setting out what you want to achieve and who you are and, and what you're looking to do and maybe even sort of demonstrating to the other participants where you're at, maybe um, sharing some of your work that you've done to, to date and presumably getting some um, feedback, um, which will be really valuable, particularly because the people who've been involved in previous years um, have been, a, you know, a really, um, really high professional level. So um, I'm looking forward to um, hopefully find out the next couple of days who those, um, you know, who the experts are going to be that we're going to be learning off. But I'm really excited just to meet the other um, 15 participants, or the 14 participants too. And you said that you know, you've done some commentary before and that this will be a really good opportunity to to broaden that. I know that the the program does allow people to, I guess, like stream themselves to to certain areas, whether it be the the play by play or the opinion pieces or whatever it may be. Is there a particular area that you're interested in finding more about and getting a, a mentor from whether it be yeah play by play or analysis or or a certain area yeah look i certainly think um i mean netball of i mean duh obviously this is all about netball everything's always about netball i do i really love to call netball whether that was play by play or sort of special comments but then netball uh, in other parts of the world in the uk in particular with the sky sports deal they have there they have a really fantastic sort of at you know analytical side as well whereas at the halftime break you have sort of freeze frames and and vision like i get really excited by all that kind of stuff you know with withdrawing the, the drives and the patterns of plays and things like that. So I'm actually, um, I, I'm really drawn to doing play-by-play, play, but obviously with TV broadcast, it's it's so different to calling it a, a game that you do on radio because you do have the visual as well. So I feel like most broadcast play-by-play play has a kind of special special comments slash analysis built into it. And when I say that, I mean good commentators boys, not oh, terrible yes, ones. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I just have a, a vision of you at halftime saying, and if we freeze it here, we can see that Laura Langman is just about to sprint across and <laughs> intercept the ball even before the opposition have passed the ball. Yeah, that sort of thing would be amazing. And, I mean, netball has kind of lagged behind a little bit in that. So I think it would be really exciting to show that to to players, but uh, to, um, to audiences rather. But even just, I think, being someone who's so passionate about the game and, and does know it sort of so innately, I would really like to bring what I do in my writing, hopefully, which is sort of explain and introduce and teach people about netball, but kind of infuse it with that sort of expert knowledge as well. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a really fine balance of explaining the game if you've never watched it before and you turn on to watch uh, Super Netball to understand it. But great commentary isn't just play-by-play. It's not just who threw the ball. It's about what's happening exactly as you say more broadly. Why Why is Sarah Clow, you know, a goalkeeper coming off of her player before the ball enters in or one particular centre pass play that's coming off time and time again and what can the opposition team do to stop it and things like that, which of course we see in the game now. Like netball has got some 
unbelievably talented um, commentators that are already in the game, you know, Sue Gordian, Liz Ellis, Kath Cox, a lot of these. And, you know, even through the ABC, I mean, Rebilliard back in the day, you know, when Netball was on the ABC, you know, and he was calling, you know, com games and things like that. We have had a really great, um, you know, a great tradition of it. And I would, I would love to be part of that in the broadcast. And one of the other things, and you, like you sort of touched on it there, is you, you want to – you want to tell people as much as possible, but the game is so fast and there's not many breaks in play. And so I I found when um, we were doing the White Line Wireless cricket commentary, tr- you want to get everything out, all these words about what's happening, and you end up tripping over yourself and not saying anything and then you've learned extremely quickly. I yeah. don't need to say everything that is mm-hmm. happening. And and that's why I'm so excited about this program because that's what I need to learn to do. You know, it's such a skill, uh, such a skill set. And I do have a tendency, I don't know if you've noticed boys, but I do have a tendency to kind of over talk, you know, and explain things and use five words and maybe I could use two. So I think that's what this program is going to help me do and really get some critical feedback because I think that's really important. Um, when you're starting in your journalism career, you get that feedback all the time from, from editors and from readers and, uh, you know, a lot of sort of different other locations so I'm looking forward to getting that to to just get better that's so good we're so happy so I've got a little uh, little thanks. bob in the background letting it rip but yeah we were we were thrilled when you got your book deal um uh, netball heads and we're even more thrilled now for you but you know we can't let you go without talking some netball issues and this 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 may stray into the opinion territory um we've had the uh Articles in the last week or so from uh, former Aussie captain Caitlin Bassett with some fairly hefty words for Liz Ellis, um, or um, you know, they were framed as they were for they were reported as if they were for Liz Ellis. They may have been for more general. Uh, oh no, I think com- I think it all pretty clearly pointed to towards Liz Ellis. I think we can we can we can definitely say that. Just trying to help us see Bass out, um, uh, saying that because uh, I'll just read from the article here, um, Ellis apparently had said to News Corp that if Bassett was considered good enough, someone would have picked her up and Bassett responded with, to say I am not good enough from someone who hasn't played netball in 20 years is no better than an armchair critic, someone sitting on the couch making the same observation. She went on to say it was disrespectful, had to be called out, showed an insensitivity. Uh, To me, the message she was sending was it was okay to slap a fellow diamond down. Now, we will both step back here, Erin, and let you (laughs) tell us what, what is going on here. Well, look, this this is all in reference to a discussion that happened on Twitter. So, a lot of netball fans actually watch this unfold live. So, those comments that Seabass is referring to there from Liz Ellis, we all read those on Twitter. So, this kind of goes back to the fact that Caitlin Bassett, who until very, very recently was the captain of the Diamonds, um, left Super Netball sort of under a cloud. Clearly, the Super Shot had something to do with that. Um, There's a bit of revisionism going on about that, but clearly it did because she couldn't get court time at the Giants where she was. She left and went to New Zealand which was quite sensational at the time, but she's now she's unfortunately had injuries while she was in New Zealand, and she's a, uh, an, an older 
player, obviously one of the more experienced players, and then she hasn't been able to secure a contract back here in Australia. So th- that's kind of the, you know, the broad context of it. Um, I think, look, for me, it was it was a little bit unedifying what sort of went down on, on Twitter. We do like to say that we want people to be forthright and speak really clearly and, you know, show their personalities. And I think that's really important. And Caitlin Bassett, and as she's come through the ranks and as she became the captain of the country, one of the big parts that she has talked about is finding her own voice and being okay with being Seabass and not feeling like she had to be like other captains. Obviously, Liz Ellis is probably the, the most well-known Australian Diamonds captain and obviously the most capped as well. So, Seabass is... is um, sort of getting very close to her um, to her number of her record number of caps, which is interesting to note, I think. But uh, okay. <laughs> as, all of that detail aside, from from where I sit, I think that the bigger picture that sits around this is this sort of duality that Netball Australia has been straddling for a couple of seasons now. They are the the custodians of the Australian Diamonds, one of the most successful sporting teams this country has ever seen, consistently been the best in the world at Commonwealth and World Cup level. But they're also the same organisation runs the Super Netball League. So there's inherent conflictions in doing both of those jobs. The introduction of the Super Shot, the introduction of, you know, timeouts, two rules in particular that we don't see in the international game. So when they came in a couple of years ago, there was discussion and people wrote opinion pieces and said, this is going to impact on the way the Diamonds can play on the world stage. We are seeing that writ large right now. We have a player that two years ago, yes, she's ageing. She was always, you know, she wasn't going to play forever. But clearly these rules have precipitated what has happened. There's a whole bunch of politics and a whole bunch mm-hmm. of people scoring points in different ways in, in back channels um, in regards to this as well. But to me, the big picture is how does Netball Australia balance that? Do they have a responsibility to be involved in keeping her in the league? Does the national coach have a role in speaking to those franchises and saying this is our current diamond shooter. How are we going to manage this? But, I mean, last year, the national coach was coaching one of the super netball clubs, whereas previously, under Lisa Alexander's tenure, she had a bit of oversight, I guess, and would dip in and out of the clubs at different times and keep across where those diamonds were. So I think there's a bigger issue at play. And I also think it's quite um, it's quite disappointing, regardless of which side of this debate that you sit on, whether you think Liz Ellis is right and Caitlin Bassett isn't good enough or, or if you think that Caitlin Bassett has been treated poorly, I think it's quite unfortunate to see two really icons of our game sort of have this kind of falling out. But having said that, the, the journo in me as well loves that, this conversation is being had. Caitlin's um, been able to go to Jess O'Halloran at the Australian and say, "Here, I want to tell my, you know, I want to tell my story." And and Liz obviously has a big platform as well in terms of her, you know, her media, um, you know, her media profile. And they're both they're both adults. They can you know choose to present themselves in the media the way that they do. So it's certainly been fascinating to watch. 
And I think there's probably a lot more going on in the background that we might read about in a couple of years when people write books about this little period in Australian netball. So I just want to I want to touch on something, and this is something that's been you know you, you mentioned it that it's been happening in the last couple of years, and yes, the the super shot is is what it is, and <laughs> the but yes, it is Seabass. C- there's this theory that, oh, you know, because of the super shot, that's why she is not being uh, given all of her court time. Now, she is, and also her, her age, she is one year older and exactly the same height as Janelle Fowler. Now, Janelle but she has Fowler, two bad knees. But she has two bad knees now. Yes, yes. But Janelle Fowler, she's not a super shot shooter. And that's not been a hindrance to her. So have the FIFA won a flag recently? No, they haven't. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yes, but no. I mean, I, you, but, you, you, you but do. I, just, I don't understand why that gets pointed out. Like, oh, we've got to take her off for the last five minutes because she can't shoot super shots. Like, no, Look, just just be better. There, <laughs> there is clearly more at play. Clearly, there's been potentially. I think. I think we've seen through what Seabass has said. There was some kind of um, clash with her coach at the Giants in Julie Fitzgerald. So, I mean, whenever someone doesn't get on the court or whenever someone's not getting their minutes, it doesn't matter what sport it is. We can point out all sorts of different reason and different factors for that. The super shot clearly clearly played a role, whether it was an excuse for Fitzgerald to not put her on the court, whether it was because they didn't think she could shoot them, whether she wasn't giving them an opportunity, whether she wasn't the right fit. I mean, she came into that team with Joe Hart and, uh, you know, who was already quite a strong shooter from distance. So it's just, it's just not so simple to say this has happened for this reason. There is, you know, onions have layers, boys, and and this story is very much the same and there's a lot of them getting peeled back and I think some people see and understand some of them and some people don't see and, under, you know, and don't necessarily even know the other layers are there to even understand what they are. Um, it's not just about the sh- super shot, but I do think that it played a role and playing under rules that were different. And the super netball coaches have one job. They need to win their premiership. They're not they're not there to um, to foster um, diamonds or, or to manage players, you know, for the national program. That's Netball Australia's job. That's the Australian Diamonds coach's job. And that goes back to what I was saying about that duality of the role. They need to work out how to strike the right balance. We've got the Commonwealth Games next year where – where you know we lost the last Commonwealth Games by one goal on the Gold Coast. The year after, we have the the World Cup. The Australian Diamonds haven't played at home for two years, boys. There are oh, yeah. issues that ne- that need to be dealt with. We played a couple of games in New Zealand in quarantine situations where we didn't play particularly well at all. So there's a lot of 
a long list of things for the Australian Diamonds to, to quickly move through. We were meant to have a Constellation Cup series against New Zealand that we haven't had. And, I mean, I, I can't remember now, but it's something like 220 days and, until the Commonwealth Games, which is one of our pinnacle events. And for, you know, there's for a very, very long time, that has been a lock for a gold medal for Australia or at a minimum a silver medal in an absolute heart stopper against the Silver Ferns. But we're going into that, not holding that, and then we're going into a World Cup, not holding that as, as well. So there's a lot, a lot of pressure on the Diamonds right now. Dear mate, that's that sounds stark when you put it like that. <laughs> hey, um, I know it does. When when you say them all in a row, it does. Yeah. But this it's a it's a huge complication and and a, and a lot of issues for them to tackle in a very short period of time. We are going to have a super netball season. The full season will be run and won next year before we go to the Commonwealth um, Games. I'm not sure if you guys remember back in 2019 when we had the World Cup in Liverpool. They stopped the season in the middle and mm. the some well most all of the players that went to the world cup had a six day turnaround i seem to remember someone wrote a fair bit about that in guardian australia and said maybe this isn't a great idea and it's 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 bizarre but you know when when they came back we had burnout we had some pretty ugly incidents on the side of the court where people were clearly tired and emotional that sort of thing so it's good to know that that's not going to happen this season that the 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 league, the sorry, the players are going to be able to finish off their regular season and then roll into getting to the UK, you know, everything crossed to be able to get on a plane and do what they need to do in Birmingham. But, I mean, we're going to Birmingham, right? I, I think I've said to you guys, we've talked about this before, the English Roses were meant to win Birmingham. That's what the England netball were doing. That's what they were building towards, the players. I mean, I reckon they, you know, they would have had that up on the vision board. That's the the big one they were meant to win at home, and then they just accidentally won Liverpool along the way, you know. <laughs> so they're going to be. They have got a bunch of uh, experienced older players that are that are hanging on, not hanging on, but they're towards the end of their career. But they're making sure that they get to Birmingham. See. So you know, Ajiva, Ajiva mentor and, and, you know, these kind of players and Joe Hart and Helen Housby, not at the end of their careers, but certainly more experienced and they want that gold there. And then in 12 months' time, we're going to turn around and go to Cape Town in South Africa, the first time the Netball World Cup's ever been on the African continent, which is just so thrilling awesome. for, for the game and, and for so many, you know, so many millions of people to exposed um, to the game there. Um, yes, it's sort of a, almost a quick turnaround. Just one more, one more Super Netball season, and then we're going to be at a World Cup again. Jeez, that's hey. How many days did you say it was to Birmingham? Oh, I, oh you're going to you catch me out. Two hundred and something. What did I say? Are you? Did you just look it up for me? No, no. It was. I remember oh. you saying it was two hundred and something. But I also read somewhere that Netball Heads is supposed to be published. Uh, through Orphans Publishing to coincide with the Birmingham Commonwealth. Yeah, Games. I heard a rumour, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's certainly the plan. The idea is to very much to coincide with it. Obviously, being an English 
publishing house. Um, you know, a lot of uh, the marketing effort and that sort of thing is going to be moved towards that. Like those those two tournaments are real sort of touchstones for the netball community. A lot of people travel, um, w- will follow their team and that sort of thing is a really good opportunity then to reach um, a lot of netball heads, exactly as you say, at the um, at the Com Games. So, yeah, working, working through that process at the moment, going through edits and design and yeah very exciting 253 days oh, damn what did i say 220 or something yeah so you've you've got an extra 30 days oh yeah. wow that's a whole a i whole can just relax <laughs> <laughs> the diamonds don't need to play don't worry about it just take another month off <laughs> well Aaron, thank you very much for for joining us and talking us through the the really exciting news of, of being involved in the um, the change our game, uh, so the change our game. Yeah. Um, uh, what is the women in sports broadcasting program? Yep. That's it's so exciting that you get to to be involved in that, and we're really looking forward to seeing how it progresses your career, and mm-hmm. hopefully, it will mean that you, you if you want to stay behind the producer desk, but get out in front of the desk as well, get the get the interviews going, get the play-by-plays going, just write as much as you can. We we love writing. We love reading you. We love hearing you. So can't yeah. wait to see how that all goes. And, more and Delahunty, yeah, more. More, exactly. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and good luck with and hopefully, too, I think another big part of it is I hope that it opens doors for other young women when they start seeing increasingly more, when they turn on broadcast and when they're listening to the radio that, you know, women, I know we talk about Daisy Pierce, and she's such a brilliant example to me. If if you have the chops and you're given the, the opportunity, you will be amazed at what you will get. But I also would love to not even need programs like this, you know, like it's fantastic to be part of it and I'm really proud and, and I'm not in any way ungrateful, but wouldn't it be fantastic to one one day get to a point where we don't even need these and young girls just, that's what they want to do. They want to become commentators and it's not some unimaginable, you know, aspirational thing. It's just a job that that they can do. I, I like, you know, like you guys have long been lovers of sport and wanting to, you know, to talk about it and be part of it you know there's a bit of a democratization going on with that exactly like with with podcasts and programs like this as well so hopefully that'd be the best possible thing to come out of it would be you know in a couple of years time for it just to be the norm i could not agree with you more the 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 days of uh you know hanging on you cannot be what you cannot see we need to to move past that um people just need to be able to see things yeah so completely agree mm -hmm. So, all right, well, thank you very much. We'll we'll talk soon, whether it's about the in, in the lead up to a netball tournament, or hopefully in the lead up to the release of the netball heads book. We will definitely be talking to you in the near future. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks a lot, Aaron. See ya. As we can hear AJ yeah, in the background, go. it's it's not just it's not just <laughs> us that are disappointed that we had to to finish yeah. uh, talking to Aaron. There's a, a small child in the background who is saying more Aaron, more Aaron. <laughs> yes, Gigi's uh, Gigi's letting it rip tonight, which is okay. That's all right. All good. <laughs> all good.
That was great. Love talking to Aaron. Yeah, and as I said, like it'll be so good for for to see or to see more of of her and see what this program can do. Get her in front of the mic. No, behind the mic, in front of the camera, behind the mm. camera, in front of the mic. One of those. Have the mic between uh, her and the camera. Yeah, exactly. That's the one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Now, now, AJ, I, I, I raised the issue about Julia Hurricane Hawkins earlier and her 100 metre record for 105 plus age group. For a reason, we have been talking off air about not not necessarily having a competition, but a little bit of a challenge, a little bit of a challenge about when you see someone, uh, let's say Ben Simmons is mm. playing in the NBA and he shoots at a horrible, horrible um, strike rate from the, from wherever really. And we all go, oh, we could shoot better yeah. than that. Shaquille O'Neal, yeah. I, I can shoot free throws better than him. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan, I think he shot yeah. something, he was like – Four from ten free throws or something like that one night, yeah. So let's put our money where our mouth is. <laughs> all right. Let's engage in a range of challenges that are all about could you do what a professional sports person could do? Now, we saw there was something that you tagged me in on the social medias last week, which was a college basketballer having the opportunity to get a scholarship and all mm. they needed to do was they needed to um, successfully to... complete a layup, a free throw, a three-pointer and a half-court shot in 30 right. seconds. In 30 seconds, yes. So that's got to be one of our challenges. For a college challenge, yeah, we can do that. That's easy. And yeah. then we'll have to pick – we will have to pick a uh, statistically significant event like Ben Simmons going four for 12 or something like that from the free throw line, and we can beat that. So let's do that. Maybe well, it's a few. Uh, maybe it's maybe, a goal. maybe you can beat that, but maybe I won't a, be so bold. Maybe it's a goal from 50 meters or something like that. I think, I think that's good. I can do that. A goal from 50 meters. We're, we're, we're not, uh, we're not 25 anymore, AJ, although you do mm. have a booming left foot, and I have, uh, two hamstrings that scream at me when I get out of bed. So <laughs> I know that you will definitely get the further distance, but Maybe. I'm going to bank on my accuracy and my wiliness from the boundary. Yeah, fair enough. You, you dominate from the so, boundary. I like that. So if you have any suggestions for beat the pros, if you want to call it that, I could do that. I like to call it I could do that because that's what heroes on Twitter say. They, I could do that. I could do that. If a guy, if someone misses a um, conversion like um, Adam Reynolds in the NRL Grand Final, missed a kick from the side, you know, I could a do that. People go, oh, I could have done that. Yeah, all right. If you think, or if, or if David Knox playing for the ACT Brumbies misses oh. uh, a, a penalty goal during a going, super during a Super Twelve Final, yes, I could do mm-hmm. that, Noxy. Yes, I've oh, heard that dear. from from someone on this on this call. So, if you're thinking, if you think of something, or if something happens in the sporting world that you think would be quite funny to see two hefty gentlemen try to complete themselves, hit us up on Twitter at asd underscore Twitter, or go to facebook.com slash a sporting discussion, um, or go to at aj Mithen on Twitter or at dono seventy nine on Twitter to get get stuck into us, and we will see what we can do and uh, get something done and show it up on the live show during the week. 
Absolutely. So, I, AJ, I just want to quickly touch on the Australian squad for the upcoming Ashes series, the men's Ashes series. The Australian squad was named. You put out a uh, post on our mm. Facebook page. Um, and only for the first so, two tests. I, initially, I thought it was for yes. the whole series, but, yeah, only the first two tests. Uh, first two tests. And, really, it looks as though – so, Marcus Harris will open the batting with David Warner – Manus Labuschagne, I've, I've not said his name for a long time. <laughs> Manus Labuschagne uh, at three, Steve Smith at four, Cameron Green at six, and then it'll be Travis Head or Usman Kawaja at five, most mm. likely. But Remember Cameron I, Green? Oh, I love him. <laughs> love him. He's he's bowling a lot better. Uh, mm. He just he he hit Jimmy Pearson on the head with a ripping short ball. It's only a matter uh, of time until he, gets, until he gets savagely injured like everyone else who's young and good. <laughs> well, so Joe Richardson, who has been savagely injured, he's in the squad. And you asked on the on Facebook, what say you, what would you have done differently? And it seemed to be that most people say, yeah, it looks about right. Uh, Tim Dodgson, Hope Richardson plays before Stark. And the bit that I wanted to quickly touch on then, like one of the responses, Darren Edwards saying, totally agree. Mitch Stark is the most overrated bowler since Mitch Johnson, too many four balls and doesn't sustain pressure. Give me a spell. So, Ooh. all right, you, you Mitch, feel very strong. Mitch Stark, 255 test wickets, the ninth most of anyone, is the most overrated bowler since Mitchell Johnson, 313 test wickets, the fifth most of any Australian bowler. Bowler. Yeah, but Righto. anyone could get 300 test wickets. Anyone. Of course. Which, but, which oh, they, but they bowled too many too many four balls. It's too easy to hit. Well, you know, that, that would probably show up in their economy rate, the runs per over. Let's see who is up there with Mitchell Stark and Mitchell Johnson with the with over three, between three and three and a half runs per over. For Australia, Brett Lee, Stuart McGill, Jeff Thompson. So... Brett yeah, Lee. but they were—they never—they've never been held up as the greatest of anything. No, no, but but neither of these two—they've just been mm. very, very good bowlers. And what are the what are the similarities between Brett Lee, Jeff Thompson, and the two Mitchells? They were told to get out there and bowl as bowl fast as, as you possibly can. <laughs> now let's go worldwide, right? Who else has a similar economy rate? You seem, to have, you seem to have taken Bowl as fast per, as you can. Micaiah and, and Tini, <laughs> bowl as fast as you can. Waka Yunus, bowl as fast as you can. Uh, Zahir Khan, <laughs> bowl as fast as you can. Ishant Sharma, bowl as fast as you can. Mornay Morkel, bowl as fast as you can. There's a pattern emerging here, AJ. There is a mm. pattern emerging. It turns <laughs> out that if you are a strike bowler, an attacking fast bowler who is there to bowl as fast as you possibly can, you might go for a few more runs than a Glenn McGrath, but you'll get wickets. But it is <laughs> you know, you know what you know what you didn't stupidest, get. stupidest arguments I've ever heard, and I continually hear it, and I just oh frustrates me. <laughs> I love this. This is great. I love it. you've taken it so personally. But what you don't have is the win loss record of those players compared to other players. I don't. I could. But that's because I only had I only had half an hour before the show. That's your home. After, that's your home. Oh, the absolutely ridiculous <laughs> comment was made. Ridiculous. Well, Darren, 
Darren Edwards, you've been told, and uh, we will put that back into the facebook.com slash a sporting discussion and the sporting discussion forum group. Uh, I'd call it a forum because, you know, discussion forum group is reductive, but whatever. Um, uh, get along there on the facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Join the group. Have a chat. Tell us what you think of the Ashes squad for the first two tests. Tell us what you think of uh, Caitlin Bassett, uh, Stoush with Liz Ellis, uh, anyone else who thinks she's passed it from the sound of this report um, from Jessica O'Halloran. Um, congratulate Erin Delahunty with us too. It's a fantastic effort for her to get um, one of only 15. And um, one of the other uh, 15 uh, people who were selected is Amy McCann, who played 10 years odd of baseball for the Australian national team. Um, so well done to Amy McCann as well. But that might do us uh, now that you've – have you settled down? Are you okay? Oh, I could go. Do you need, do you need, do you need to take another – do you need to no, take another, another run or are you okay? No, 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 no. But um, one thing that I want to talk about next week um, mm-hmm. is around the the successful T20 World Cup victory for Australia yes. over New Zealand. And you, we, we talked about the Liz Ellis and um, Caitlin Bassett Twitter war of words. Stoush. I want to go, go into Stoush. I want to go into uh, a post Australia Pakistan semi final stout or war of words on Twitter that was something that was completely taken out of context and something else as well that Usman Khawaja yes. said recently. All yeah, of it well, actually was let's, taken out of context and people lost their mind and it was hilarious. So let's roll, I'm going to talk about that next week. Let's roll that into an everything out of context uh, sporting episode next week. It sounds like fun. Uh, you'll find us here 8 p.m. probably Wednesday, maybe another day, depending on uh, how fired up GG <laughs> is. Um, thanks to Aaron. Thanks to Andrew. Remember, we're on Twitter at ASD underscore radio, uh, facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. You can hear Andrew 715 on Triple R FM in Melbourne doing a sports wrap of the weekend. That's 102.7 FM in Melbourne or on rrr.com, I think it is. Is, is there an au? au, pardon me. And uh, you can hear me on ABC Central Victoria doing the same thing, uh, maybe even stealing a couple of Andrew's lines 20 minutes later at 7.35 on ABC Central Victoria. It's 91.1 Victorian radio or through the ABC Listen app uh, or tune in for either of them as well, Triple R and ABC Central Victoria, you can get there. Um, Andrew, you want to sign off and say thank you? Thank you, everyone. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> I can see that, yeah, the sun, the sun-kissed cheeks mm. are starting to really uh, shine through. So you need you need forward. to go to your mo- moisturizer bath. All right, I do. Thanks for I do. Thanks, thanks for watching and thanks for listening and thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks all.